we ready? Yeah. Do you need to listen to us talking first? I've, I've done that already. When did you do that? How come I didn't hear you? I don't know. Earlier. I, I usually hear you when I'm tapping away. Okay. Typing up my research. I hear you in here going, mic, mic one, mic one, check one, check one. Hello, Chris. Hello, Sharon. <laughs> I feel like we just did this. I do too. That's amazing. <laughs> Feels like only yesterday. <laughs> well, I'm happy to see you here again. Well, I'm happy to be here again. For the next episode of The Crown. Yeah, season two, episode seven of The Crown. What's it called? Uh, Matrimonium. Matrimonium. Which was a pretty good name for starters. It's a pretty good name. Yeah. Considering all the matrimonium. It's like they took matrimony and they put it with pandemonium and they made a new word out of those two words and called it matrimonium. Is there a name for that kind of a word? I don't know. Probably. Maybe you should do some research, Chris. Me, 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 me. Ouch. Are you mocking me? <laughs> You're not going to say, you back at me? No. Moments passed. <laughs> Moving on with my life. All right. Moving on. What are we calling this crown cast? So we're calling this crown cast season two, episode seven promises made promises kept. Oh, that's sweet. That's much more kind than matrimonium. I'm I'm sort of making fun of Donald Trump with that. Oh, I don't get it. Cause that's one of his stupid MAGA things. I try not to listen to this. Right. Well, you shouldn't cause he's a dumb jerk. Okay. But if I'm missing half of your jokes, cause they're Donald Trump jokes, then. Missing out on something. FOMO. Got FOMO. Well, DJT is out on the road telling his audiences of adoring idiots that he has kept all of his promises from his 2016 campaign. <laughs> okay. By saying promises made, promises kept. Oh, I see. All right. I mean, all politicians lie. Sure. This one just lies a whole lot more. Absolute politicians lie. Absolutely. That's not how that phrase goes, but <laughs> still, I wanted to say it. You did a pretty, it's a pretty good rendition of it. Thanks. So this episode sprouts in Brussels, Belgium. I was watching something on TV or maybe I was listening to something. I was listening to a podcast. You've already missed my second joke. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) What was funny about you saying Brussels? Oh, nothing. Saying it was my joke, but. What ep- was the joke? This episode sprouts in Brussels. Oh my God, that's awful. I'm so glad I missed that. <laughs> I was already thinking about what I was going to say. Fair enough. I jumped in there ahead, ahead of you. It was kind of funny, actually. I mean, if you're into vegetables. Right. So I was listening to this podcast the other day. Uh-huh. 
But it was really interesting. And one of the, I listened to great podcasts. You're right. And one of the hosts was kind of picking fun at the other host because host two really wants to go to Belgium. Yeah. And host one is like, nobody wants to go to Belgium like you do. And I'm like, I love Belgium. <laughs> Bruges is a fucking fairy town, man. Shithole. <laughs> Vietnamese? What are you talking about the Vietnamese? That statement makes no fucking sense at all. Yes, it does. The Vietnamese? Saying it over and over ain't gonna make any more sense out of it. How, how, how does the Vietnamese have any relevance whatsoever to myself and my girlfriend ha- having to breathe your friend's cigarette smoke? Tell me how saying. That's for John Lennon, you Yankee fucking cunt. Who wouldn't want to go to Belgium? Do people just not know about how awesome Belgium is? I don't know. Maybe they don't like windmills. Who's to know? Who's to know? So this episode sprouts and bristles. That's awful. I, I thought so too. Your delivery was better than mine. Hmm. I mean, that's hardly high praise for a joke of that caliber. <laughs> August 1959. Check. The camera screens across the room. Clothes, flowers, champagne. Group Captain Townsend. Naked. Naked in his bed. Naked in his bed. Then it cuts to Margaret waking up in her bed. Fully clothed. Probably hung over. You know, a servant brings her an Alka-Seltzer every morning. So, I mean, that's okay. It is. She gets to scream at someone. She gets an Alka-Seltzer. Starting off your morning right. And a letter from her ex-fiance. Yeah, so they're thinking about each other. Sort of. Apparently, the two of them had made a pact to not marry. If they couldn't marry each other. Did you do any research on that? A little. Oh, on the pact? Yeah. No. Do people really do that? She's 25. Uh, right? You know? That's what I mean. Ish. She's probably 27 by now. Grow I can't up remember or when something. she was born. I mean, I feel bad for them. I do. And don't get me wrong. I'm totally in love with this episode. <laughs> it does seem a little dramatic, though. But yeah, it's a little like, okay, that's, that's a little campy. So his letter describes... A woman that he has fallen in love with. Oh, Townsend. That he would like to marry. She's half his age. That's one of the reasons why Margaret was a little pissy about it. But Margaret is still 16 years younger than him. She's he's quite the older man for everyone. Right. Apparently. Oh, and she was 29. So she goes off to see her boyfriend while he's hanging photos. Right. For a gallery. And they have a wee bit of a row. Yeah, she uh, she kind of proposes to him mm-hmm. accidentally. Mm-hmm. Oops. He expresses displeasure about the idea of marrying at all. Yeah, she gets a little miffed when Ozymandias gets all hipster and beatnik about marriage on her. Right. <laughs> like he, he doesn't need it in his life because it's beneath him. Right. I, I rolled my eyes at him quite a lot in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I see what he's saying, but I don't think that's why he doesn't choose to marry. Well, right. I don't think he can narrow it down to one gender, let alone one person. Like, he's just not that kind of guy. Sure. He likes to have fun, and he likes to have fun with whoever he wants to have fun with, and why would he tie himself down? Exactly. Except then he goes to dinner with his mom. His mom is a jerk? 
She, yeah, she's a kind of a big character. Yeah. As little as she's in this episode, she takes up a lot of it. And he's really looking for her validation. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. I mean, I wrote down, I paused the episode and I wrote this down because I wanted to, I wanted to try to be clear about it. Mm -hmm. I don't really care for the struggle that Tony is going through. Mm -hmm. Having to give up his girlfriends to marry this princess. Right. I don't care to see it from his point of view because it looks really douchey. Right. And I get it. You know, he just wants to have, like you said, he just wants to have fun with the people he wants to have fun with. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, like, it's annoying to watch it from his perspective. To watch it from Margaret's perspective uh -huh. would be more interesting to me. Sure. But that's not going to be dramatic enough to put in a show because she doesn't know everything that's going on. No, I know. I'm just saying it's it's kind of douchey to watch it from his point of view, which I guess is why that's it's why there. they give it from his point of view. Because they're really showing how douchey he is because he continues to be douchey right? after this episode is over. So after dinner with mom, he goes back home and does some more photography. And some other lady. And some other lady. This was a great scene. It was beautiful. By the way. Yeah, it was beautifully done. The um, This is where I started noticing that, first of all, the editing and the music in this episode were brilliant mm -hmm. and lots of really beautiful music playing in different styles over some really great scenes this was one of the scenes where they had really good music playing cool. but i realized when we get episodes about margaret mm -hmm. the tone of the episode the feel of the episode the, the overall style is very passionate it's very playful yeah. we get lots of I mean, hell, we had lots of sex in this episode. Mm -hmm. We had some really great music. There's motorbikes. There's <laughs> dancing and music and passion. And it really stylistically paint this picture of a Margaret episode. Uh -huh. And it's in such contrast to Elizabeth episodes. Yeah. Because her episodes are, are very utilitarian. They're very structured. Mm -hmm. They're very majestic mm -hmm. it's very much about what this person has to do to be queen mm -hmm. and human even in this episode elizabeth is the law she's the straight one she's the one that's telling people how things are done right and very calmly pregnant and very quietly having a baby yeah Yep. There is no drama behind that childbearing. There is. It just happens. My notes are all over the place. We actually get a. I know we're not to this point yet. I know. But we actually get instead of a childbirth scene, we get the mustaches having a prayer meeting about it. Right. I wrote down the twilight birth scene. <laughs> because she gets her injection and then goes to sleep and they. They closed the curtains and it's just like, there. I don't remember exactly what music was playing, but I wrote it down. It was great music in that scene. Uh -huh. And, you know, the, the cabinet prays and <laughs> Philip hears about his baby boy on the radio and we're right? all done. Right. Crazy. But so good. <laughs> so good the way they put these things together. But let's see. Um, Ozzy 
has dinner with his mom. Then he has sex and photographs with some other lady. Oh, and then we get to the menage a trois. Right. So him and his buddy, uh, who we find out later, is going to be his best man. Right. At the wedding. That's Jeremy and his wife, Camilla Fry. Okay. So they're, um, they're all pretty friendly. They're all very close. Yeah. And naked. Later, Anthony picks up Margaret on his motorbike, like you do, and takes her to his place where they have relations. Hundred percent accurate. <laughs> that is totally what happened in the show. I would like to present my version. <laughs> so yeah, then Tony goes to the palace. Uh huh. He holds his triumph above his head, like <laughs> like a boombox. Wraps <laughs> it at the window. they get on and they ride away and then passion and playfulness and and that's when i wrote down there's really beautiful editing you're so much more romantic than i am i guess i really am i'm sorry about that i'm not gonna apologize. apologize i love it that's who i am through and through and i love it it makes my life so happy and then he proposes Sort of. He makes her like open 12 boxes and eventually there's a ring. I loved it. Did you? I I even wrote down he's a good rapper. (laughs) He's a good gift rapper. So many boxes. So many boxes. Like a a Matryoshka doll. (laughs) I could not find a good picture of her engagement ring on the internet. It was just all blurry 1959 photos from 12 15 feet away Mm. but word on the street is that it was drop dead gorgeous that it was a ruby surrounded by diamonds in such a way to make it look like a rosebud and margaret's middle name is rose right and supposedly he had it made for her which kind of messes with the timeline a little bit because that was literally the next day. Some of my sources say that they got engaged the day after she received that letter from Peter. Okay. I see. But then I have to question like how the whole Royal engagement thing happens. Right. They could have gotten engaged the next day. They could have decided to get married the next day. But and they then weren't able to announce she gets, it. Right. And then she gets a ring later on. Right. Sure. Regardless, they get engaged. Right. The thing he says was promise not to bore me. That really burned me up. Yeah. And then Margaret says, promise not to hurt me. I shouted at the screen. I was like, the whole world, pal. Yeah. Don't hurt her. Yeah. And him saying that puts any of his philandering onto her. It really Don't does, bore me, doesn't it? Or I'm going to go off and do other things. Right. Here I am off doing other things, and now that's your fault because right. you bore me. What a jackass thing to do. So Margaret goes to Elizabeth to talk about her wedding. And ask for her blessing. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, she gets. Yes. Because Elizabeth had made the promise to not get in the way of any of her future wedding things. And she promised again that she wouldn't. One of the dreaded mustaches walks in (laughs) and was 
a little put off by the idea that Margaret was going to announce that she's getting engaged to the photographer. Until. Dot, dot, dot. Ten seconds later. Elizabeth tells her that she's pregnant and they have to put off the announcement of the engagement. And that was very dramatic because as Margaret was getting more and more antsy, she rang the goddamn bell herself (laughs) and exited the room. That was pretty funny. It was awesome. And Elizabeth chased her and she's like, no, 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 please. It's okay. It'll all be fine. Just got to wait six months. Yeah. And it was very important for Margaret for her to announce her engagement before Peter announced his. Which they didn't, they didn't get back to. They didn't talk about it again. It may not have been a big deal. I didn't look it up. I'm assuming Peter announced first because Margaret did not announce until after the child was born. Right. Yeah. Andrew was born on February 19th and the engagement was announced on February 26th. There you go. A week later. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Elizabeth does promise that she will throw Margaret a party, mm-hmm. that the crown is behind the engagement. They have mm-hmm. no issues. And it was a lovely soiree. It was. There was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Philip is in this episode, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember him. Yeah. I had to look his name up. <laughs> he is asking Elizabeth some pregnancy questions. I didn't pay any attention. Yeah, and then we get to the party. So there's a party at the palace for Margaret and the Funky Bunch. (laughs) That's my favorite cartoon. With her friends who can be a little less than royal, especially with their crazy rock and roll music and such. So much music and smoking. Oh my gosh, so much smoking. Tony's blonde married girlfriend. Right. Is there at the bar? At the bar. Yeah. I just realized. It's not even the 60s. Right. Telling him that she is pregnant. Oops. And the queen seems very observant at this party. She's quite pregnant herself. Right. Not dancing much. She's got her pregdar on. Mm -hmm. So as they sit and watch her mother lead the Congo line around the dance floor. Right. Philip has a bit of a fit. He does. I don't understand what he's pissy about. He's pissy because Mr. Armstrong Jones is not up to royal caliber. No. But is quite more accepted than he himself as a direct descendant of Queen Victoria was. And he's really pissy about it. So he's pissy that Ozymandias gets a pass because it's the 60s and everyone gets hipsters now. Exactly. So, yeah, he's a little pissy about not being accepted when he was first around mm-hmm. to get married. Well, and also her dad's dead. Right. I imagine as royalty changes things loosen up a little bit every well, time you're right you now the the dad is dead the queen grandmom is dead right a lot of the old guard has moved on mm-hmm. and the world has started moving on mm-hmm. the queen mom is leading the congo line right you know it's okay yeah fucking chill prince uppity pants yeah no kidding but he does make a point uh, yeah to the queen right so she does have a little bit of snooping done. So there was a quick little understanding that Liz right. was seeking some information mm-hmm. and Michael was to go find it. Mm-hmm. The scene was funny too, because I don't think th- there weren't a lot of words between them. And then of course, 
Michael doesn't seem to be very good at doing anything on his own. <laughs> so we get. It's because he shaved his mustache. I know, right? He's lost all of his power. <laughs> so Tommy Lassell shows up at the palace. Right. And then he's got the dirt. Let me show you how it's done. Right. With photos. Yeah, they're good. Including a photo of a blonde woman that Queen Elizabeth recognized from, from the, the party. party. Baby Prince Andrew is born. Yep. We we have the twilight birth scene. Planes fly. Margaret arrives at the palace. Where she calls Philip's father a philanderer. Because they named Prince Andrew after Philip's father. Oh, I got it. And when they were Margaret, talking about names. Margaret okay. said, oh, the bankrupt philanderer. Yeah. Yeah, Margaret's like, oh, the baby's great. Let's talk about my engagement. <laughs> I relate to her so well. <laughs> Elizabeth wants to talk her out of the marriage. Mm-hmm. But why? Don't really know this guy, do you? <laughs> there might be something that comes out later, dot, dot, dot. Right. But she won't come out and say it. She won't oppose the marriage. So that's, for me, that's a plus in, in Elizabeth's book. Yeah, absolutely. Let the kid go out and live her life. Make her own mistakes. Mistakes or no. Mm -hmm. You can't know that right now. Right. It's just a choice. Let her make her choice. Yeah, it's tough. It is. Even as a big sister and not necessarily as the Queen of England. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably harder that way. Yeah. Nevertheless, she persisted. <laughs> and then we get yet another great scene, like the juxtaposition of... The scenes and the music is so good in this episode because mm -hmm. now we're we're on the way to the royal wedding. Yes. They decided to go ahead and do Westminster Abbey. Mm -hmm. All of England is lining the streets of London. You know, everyone's in their top hats and their their tails. And right. She's in this beautiful you know, long train white dress coming down the stairs of the palace, getting into the carriage. With the biggest fucking Phillip. tiara i've ever seen in my life right and they're they're playing this really sad like operetta and it was almost it was foreboding music like it was uh, it just had such meat to it and i loved right. it and that against this whole beautiful day where the princess is getting married and right. all of you know the the whole commonwealth turns out for stuff like that and they love that shit it was just great. I, I really love how they put that together in That's this awesome. episode. I'm glad you pay so much attention to the music. To me, it just ends up being part of the emotion that I'm feeling while I'm watching it. Right. And I don't recognize it as a separate entity. So I'm glad you do. I try to stay in the moment mm -hmm. and not pay attention to things like that. Mm -hmm. But since we do review this show, I do allow myself to get taken out of the moment Good. And pay attention to the filmmaking mm -hmm. because that interests me. And it gives you more to talk about. Right. In this. And yeah. I'm glad. Because I want to um, talk about tiaras. Right. And I get that. <laughs> Is it tiara time? Do we have to talk about <laughs> I, this? I thing? mean, now. <laughs> so now, at your leisure, the Poltimore tiara. It's fucking huge. Yeah. Like, that's why she had to get married in Westminster Abbey, because that's the only building that would fit this fucking tiara. It is gorgeous. And it looks like an abbey. Like, you know, the architectural 
arches and an abbey and stuff. Right. That's what it fucking looks like. It's so beautiful. Mm. Oh, it's so beautiful. And it's just big all the way around. I don't even know how it's called a tiara. It's a huge crown. It's so beautiful. It was made in 1870 by Gerard for Lady Poltimore, who was the wife of the treasurer to Queen Victoria's household okay. for a time. Margaret was the second owner. She bought it at auction in 1959. Not an inherited piece. Purchased on the auction block. Wow. Now, Margaret did buy it before her wedding, but we're not sure who paid for it. Her sister may have paid for it. Her mother may have paid for it. She may have paid for it herself. She probably didn't. Right. But she did buy it at auction. And her wedding was the first time she wore it publicly. Okay. But she wore it often after that. It was one of her favorites. I would, too. You would never take it off? No. Not at all. That's funny you say that, because I don't think it happens until season three. Mm -hmm. But there's a famous photo of her wearing it in the bathtub. Because <laughs> she married a photographer. Right. So. Helena Bottom Carter said that Margaret didn't have a complex about being second fiddle. She had a complex about being short, which is her explanation for why she likes wearing a tiara that makes her three or four inches taller. Right. right. Anywho, it sold after Margaret's death for $1.7 million. Not pounds? Dollars. Okay. Wow. I had to blink at that for a little bit, too. I mean, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It was Princess Margaret's favorite. That's a lot of dollars. Dollars and dollars. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of the episode. The camera is kind of pulling away from the scene mm -hmm. as the carriage is sort of rolling down the Royal Mile or whatever it is to, mm -hmm. the, to the Abbey. There's a little bit between Philip and, and Margaret. Margaret kind of looks out the window sort of waving to her Britons. Right. Do we see much more of Margaret in this season? I don't remember. We only have three episodes left in the season. Right. So if you recall, mm -hmm. especially if we don't get into this later. Okay. In the season, there was a pregnant woman at the wedding who said that Antony was the father of her child. Okay. I'm trying to, I have a lot of research into after they're married. Well, they weren't necessarily happily ever after. Oh, no, is a spoiler alert. <laughs> so towards the end of the episode, we saw everyone getting ready to go to the big right, wedding. Right. And um, one of the people getting ready was Camilla and Jeremy Fry. Right. And remember, Camilla's pregnant. Right. I remember that. Remember, she had told Anthony at the bar at the big party. Right. That she was pregnant. And that it was his. She was certain that it was his. He was not so certain. Sure. That the pregnancy was his. So 1960 is when Margaret and Anthony got married. Okay. So we leave this episode in 1960. They had two kids, 1961 and 1964. Wikipedia says the marriage began to collapse early and publicly. Mm, early and often. Mm -hmm. Various causes may have been behind the failure. On her side, there was a penchant for late night partying, while on Snowden's part, there was an undisguised sexual profligacy. The marriage was accompanied by drugs, alcohol, and bizarre behavior by both parties. 
such as his leaving lists of things I hate about you for the princess to find between the pages of the books she read. Wow. And it seems that Margaret had her own affairs as well. Well, if they weren't happy, I mean. Right. They were together for 18 years. They separated after 16 years of marriage, but then they divorced after 18 years. Okay. Snowden married Lucy Mary Lindsay Hogg within the same year. So he remarried almost immediately. And then in 1979 had a daughter with her. From 76, which is a couple years before his daughter is, was born, until 1997, Snowden also had a mistress who died by suicide. Mm, yikes. Then Antony and Mary separated in 2000, so he's still married to his second wife. They separated in 2000 after the revelation that Snowden, then at age 70, had fathered a son two years earlier to yet another woman. So this was in 1998 that this kid was born. He was 68 years old. Wow. His wife found out two years later and divorced him. So now we're going to go back to the pregnant woman. Okay. At the end of the episode, she gave birth three weeks after Margaret and Antony's wedding. Okay. And then in 2004, at the age of 45, this daughter, whose name is Polly, took a DNA test and convinced Antony to do the same. Antony denied taking this DNA test for four years until Jeremy, his friend, died. And then he admitted that he had taken a DNA test and that Polly is his daughter. Okay. And then Antony himself died in 2016. Polly did attend the funeral, but she was not listed among his heirs. Mm. So that was probably kind of rough. It sounds like it. At 45 years old, finding out that your father isn't your biological father. Right, right. And that Princess Margaret's ex-husband is. I'm sure they stayed family friends. Well. It was his best friend. mm, Right. And remember you mentioned that he was his best man at the wedding. He got the flu. Oh. He backed out. Said he got the flu. I mean, he could have had the flu. Might have had the flu. He might have been convinced that his wife was pregnant by him. Who knows? Can't speculate. I mean, I will. I mean, but like, what were they really expecting? You know, you got to figure that shit out if you're going to have multiple sex partners. Yeah. Especially in 1960 when birth control isn't real prevalent right which is a shame yes what do you think of this episode i loved it what was your favorite part didn't write down what my favorite part was but i'll have to say it was the music i thought the music in this episode was oh, that's amazing nice. and and so varied some really dramatic music some really fun and playful music mm-hmm. some really sweet music the music that played over Tony and Margaret riding around on the Triumph was just really sweet music. Awesome. And that's what I'm feeling today. That's my favorite thing. Cool. What about you? My favorite was honestly a character that didn't come into 
the show until very late mm-hmm. in the episode, the Poltimore tiara. <laughs> yeah. It is amazing. You know what's funny though? What's that? I did not even notice it. <laughs> I did not notice so a tiara beautiful. on her head. Oh, Chris. It was so beautiful. Now, I think one of the reasons why you missed it is because she looked amazing and her gown was pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And that amazing tiara just made her look regal. Yeah. The tiara wasn't, as I insinuated earlier, an entirely separate character in her outfit. It really just brought it together and just made her look like the bride that everybody would want to be. Would want to be. And that's the important thing in that scene is Mm -hmm. that was her moment. That was the moment that she's been trying to get to. The whole fucking show. The whole fucking time. Yeah. And she was desperately trying to hold on to the magic and the majesty of that moment. Mm -hmm. Bless her heart. Poor thing. I'm getting really excited about season three. Yeah, everyone seemed to really enjoy it. Because we're we're almost done with season two. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to see where this story goes and where the new actors take it. I'm I'm looking forward to it big time. Yeah. I'm going to give you a bit of a spoiler in that the Helena Bottom Carter bathtub crown wearing scene is going to be amazing. Awesome. I am here for that. (laughs) We all are. (laughs) All right, sweetie. That was fun. It was. Anything else you want to add on that? No, that's pretty good. All right. Let's thank everybody. Oh, let's thank everybody. Thank you to the listeners. Thanks, Jenny Parrott. We love our song. We love putting this show together. It's just for fun, and but we enjoy it. They know that. I know. You say it every time. All right. Thank you, listeners. We really love having you here. We do. We'll catch you next time. Until then, God save the queen. God save the queen. Totally to your time. The podcast where the stars align. Reigning queen is every. King Chris got that royal sound. When he's discussing the crown. Grab your scepter and around. It's Tiara time. cold freezing i might need to go preach the bed it's a good idea all right i think i have enough of us talking about how douchey he is yeah can you work with that i think i can